started in the message. Again, Peter's restoration, a portrait of us. And Isaiah 1.18, the word of God says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Come now, let us reason together. God deserves fellowship with us. He wants to commune with us. He wants to share with us. He wants to tell us all kinds of things. And this is what he's saying to Isaiah. Come now, let us reason, fellowship, talk, commune together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. And though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God's making a promise here. God's making a way. He's telling Isaiah. I'm laying out a plan. I'm sending a Savior that even though your sins be as scarlet, when the job's finished, and Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. Sin was paid for completely. The chains were broken. We had been set free by what Jesus did. And though our sins were as scarlet, now because of Jesus, if you know him as Lord and Savior, we're white as snow before the presence of the Lord. We've taken on the righteous of Christ. It said, though it's red as crimson, we shall be as wool. And Isaiah 43, 25, again, look at what the Lord says. I, even I, am he, which means God, who blotteth out the transgressions for my own namesake. I will not remember those sins anymore. When Jesus pays the price, when he died on that cross for our sin, God said, it is done. It is done. It is finished. They're blotted out. They're cast into the sea to be remembered no more. Now what sins? The sins that have been confessed before him. If we accept Jesus and we turn from being a sinner, confess that we are a sinner. We need Jesus. We need his, we need his salvation. Now he's not going to forgive anybody who hasn't asked. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Therefore, what he's saying is, your sins are what? Blotted out. If you don't know Jesus tonight, your sins are not blotted out. Your sins are still remembered because you've got to pay for them unless you allow Jesus Christ and allow his blood to wash your sins away. That's the reason we need a Savior. We need Jesus Christ. And I invite you tonight, if you don't know him, then my friends, you will be judged for the sins in your life. But if we'll call on the name of Jesus Christ and make him Lord of our life, God will take those sins and throw them in the sea to be remembered no more. It will be just as if you never sinned. Who would not want that in their life? Who would want to try to pay for their own sins when there's a Savior who did it for us? Kim and I, along with our awesome in-laws, her parents, Tommy and Diane, and our nephew Luke and his precious wife, Mariana, we just experienced a powerful Holy Week celebrating the life and the death and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, all of our services can be seen on Glenn Mills Ministries on YouTube and Facebook. And if you missed those, we invite you to go back and look at them. A lot of powerful messages, a lot of powerful worship and praise and singing. And if you've got time, nothing you tune in on it. My friends, I believe the other day I looked on YouTube and I think there's over 50 or 60 videos from Glenn Mills Ministries that are available to be sure you can find a subject that will help you in some area of your life. We all at different times watch the movie, The Passion of Christ, as a reminder 
of what Jesus did for us. If you have not seen it, you still need to see it. I really believe every believer needs to see that movie from time to time just to remember what Jesus did. Thursday night we shared communion and we actually made a video. You can find that on YouTube on how you can have communion at home. And again, we stress, don't take it for granted. Don't take it lightly. It is important. It is holy. It is sacred. But you can do it and you should do that at home as well. A lot took place after the resurrection of Jesus Christ just prior to his ascension back to heaven and praise God the coming of the Holy Spirit. Jesus starts appearing to his disciples at different times other than John who was with Mary and, and uh, Mary Magdalene. We find that John was the only one who did not forsake Jesus that night. But he went all the way. He went to Pilate's court. He went to where they were trying Jesus. John was there. He was the only one. However, it was Peter who actually denied knowing Jesus three times as Jesus had prophesied that he would. All the others fled in the garden. Peter did make it to at least to, to the court of the high priest before he gave in. But note, I, I want to say tonight that I'm Peter's attorney. So you give me just a moment to defend him. That's right, I'm his attorney tonight because there's some things you need to see about Peter before we're so quick to criticize him because his restoration is a portrait of us. I really believe that. Peter told Jesus that he would go to the death for him, did he not? Lord, I will die for you. Though all men forsake you, I'll die for you. And then we're quick to say, yeah, and he denied him three times. Oh, let's look a little deeper. In the garden when they seized Jesus, was it not Peter who cut off the ear of the high priest's servant? How did he do it? With a sword. And I believe to cut his ear off, he was actually heading for his head. What did, you, what did he do? He stood up to fight. He stood up. What did he say? I will go with you to the death. And he was willing to fight to the death for his Lord Jesus Christ. But notice what happens. You've read the story. This puts Peter, all of a sudden Jesus tells him to what? Put away his sword. Then he heals the ear of the servant. Now here's Peter willing to fight to the death for Jesus. And Jesus tells him, no, stop. Put away your sword. If you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Then he heals the servant. You can only imagine this puts Peter in confusion. He was willing to die. But now Jesus says no. So he tries to follow Jesus along with the temple guards, trying to help in any way he can figure out, not knowing what to do. Have you ever made a wrong decision because you were confused? I know I have. Have you ever made a wrong decision because you were troubled or uncertain or maybe even afraid because you couldn't see what was coming? You couldn't comprehend it? You couldn't understand it? Have you ever been there? Peter was there. Have you ever been there? I have. Have you ever been in a moment when you just could not for the life of you think straight 
You were so confused. Your mind was so clouded. You tried to do it one way. You tried to do what was right. What you thought was right. Only to have it come out from under you. Someone pulls the rug. Well, I thought I was doing right. I was trying. Lord, you know my heart. I was trying. Have you ever been there? Peter was there. It seems in these moments, we forget everything we've heard. Everything we've experienced that should have prepared us for this moment. You know, we're looking at this virus and it's coming to an end. It can't, it can't hold on but so long. And I, and I again encourage you, if you have not anointed your house, symbolic of the oil and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, you need to do it. You need to anoint your house, the doorpost of your house. You need to anoint your family. Again, just as the blood was put on the doorpost for the death angel to pass over, God has said, anoint your house, anoint your family. And by the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of Jesus and the Father, the virus will pass over. You need to rise up and anoint. But you know, we've been, we've been prepared for this time. We've been going to church for years, listening about faith, listening about standing strong, listening about being a witness, listening about prophesying and saying the right things and getting our minds straight and our hearts straight. But even at that, some people, like Peter, were still caught off guard. I've known some that headed that way, but all of a sudden they say, oh, whoa, whoa, what am I doing? What, what am I doing? And they have a wake-up call and they get back on track. We've all been there. Again, the restoration of Peter is a portrait of us. We, we've been there. A moment, sometimes you feel isolated. You feel alone. You feel unsure and helpless. And even in despair. That, that, that's where Peter was at. And he denied Jesus three times. Welcome to Peter's world. But like Peter, Jesus already knew that he was going to mess up either by words of doubt or actions of fear that even we would deny him at times. We might not say it, but sometimes we do it. Even in this virus, when we start talking fear and doubt, what if we're denying Jesus? Well, no, I'm not. Yes, yes we are. We're either walking in faith or we're walking in fear. Fear belongs to the enemy. Faith belongs to Jesus. He's the author and finisher of our faith. So we're either walking with Jesus or we're listening to the enemy. There's a line in the sand, and we got you gotta stand on one side or the other. The Bible says if you if you God whether you be hot or cold, but if you look warm, he'll spit you out of his mouth. You can't straddle the fence when it comes to the spiritual things. So just like Peter, God knows, Jesus knows. He'd already told Peter, hey man, you're going to mess up. I appreciate what you're saying, but you're going to mess up. You're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And you know, if you ever watched The Passion, I think they portrayed that very well. The crowd was pressing in on Peter. They were saying this, you know, you're one of the disciples. Your voice gives you away. Your accent gives you away. That would be like me trying to deny from Eastern North Carolina. Just can't happen. My accent gives me away. And finally he caves in. Matter of fact, so much so that the Bible says he even cursed the people that challenged him. And in that moment, 
He hears that rooster and he looks and for some reason he was able to see Jesus and Jesus looks him in the eye. But you know, as Kim said the other night, with Jesus always looked at people with compassion and love other than the scribes and the Pharisees. And, I, and Jesus still loved them. But Jesus did not have a lot of tolerance for religious people. Especially when they used that and lorded it over other people. And when he did, when we mess up, somehow we too see the loving eyes of Jesus that cut deep into our heart, into our soul. We're reminded that we messed up. But you know it's in that moment that Satan comes in like a flood to remind us how unworthy and unfit we ought to serve Christ and that we didn't live up to our end of the deal. Here's Peter, I'll go to the death for you. And I believe he would have. He'd have died in that garden. That was his plan. That was his way of trying to do things. But that was not the way of Jesus. Peter did not fully understand. Remember, it was also Peter when Jesus said he had to go to Jerusalem to die. It was also Peter who said, Lord, let it not be so. And what did he say? Get thee behind me, Satan. I got a mission. I got to go. But you know, sometimes we mess up. We see the eyes of Jesus. We know we've messed up, but Satan comes in quickly to remind us how unworthy we are, how unfit we are to serve Christ. I've been there, messed up, gone through things in my life, things I wish I hadn't have done, things I wish I hadn't have said, felt unworthy, and yet God is a loving, restoring Father. Jesus is a loving, restoring Savior. You know, as we look at this, oh yes, it's, it's Peter's story, but it's ours too. We've been there. If you have it, you're probably heading there. We'll mess up again. I always said the people who don't mess up are the people who don't do anything. And me, if you're not doing anything, you're messing up. But thank God, the story does not end there. Amen, the story does not end there. In Luke 16, 7, Look at this. I love this. Jesus has risen from the dead. You know, I read the scriptures. Jesus has been telling these cats, hey, I'm going to Jerusalem now. I'm going to suffer. Right? But for some reason, they didn't remember. That's still a mystery to me. I don't know if God blocked it out of their minds so that they would not get the full implication until the resurrection. You know, they, I'm thinking, man, y'all should have been standing at the cross celebrating good Jesus we're with you. You can get this. But they were all in high. They didn't understand. But yet Jesus had been telling them he was going to die. But look at what he says. Oh, this is so beautiful. This is you tonight. In Mark 16, 7, this is what the angels say to the women when they show up at the tomb. After they say, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen, praise God. He's risen like he said he would. But look at what he says. But go your way. And listen. And tell his disciples and Peter. He didn't say and John and Andrew and Bob. Bo 
Bartholomew or Matthew or Luke or any of the, he said, go tell the disciples and Peter. You know, sometimes God's got a word for the church and you. Yeah. It's not just for the body, it's for you personally. I can't tell you the times I've heard a sermon and I don't know who else got it, but I got it. And I, in that moment, it was like, go tell the world and then. Why? Because Jesus was already heading to restore Peter. And he goes on to say, and Peter, that he, Jesus, is going before you into Galilee and look, and there you will see him as he has said to you. He'd already told them. Though, me, though we may not always get it right. And sometimes you're going to get it wrong. Jesus never ever forgets us. And he never gives up on us. Even though Peter denied him three times. Out of his confusion. Out of not understanding. Not comprehending. Not remembering. For whatever reasons, when Jesus was on that cross, Peter was on his mind. And so were you. So was I. And all of our mess-ups, all of our failures, all of our sins, all of our actions of denial, he remembered us. He never forgets us. Jesus reveals himself at different times to his disciples as the weeks go by. Peter, however, still feels unworthy. Even though Jesus met him in the upper room, he still feels unworthy. Nothing was actually said the first time Jesus entered in. He shows up. They all glorified. Thomas wasn't there. Later, Thomas comes in and said, Lest I see the mark in his side and the nail prints in his hands, I won't believe. Jesus shows up again and says, All right, Thomas. Here it is. Put your hand in my side. Put your fingers in, in the nail marks. Which he didn't do. He fell on his face and said, My Lord and my God. And I love what Jesus said. He said, You believe because you see. But blessed are those who believe on me who've never seen me. Believe it or not, your faith is greater than that of Thomas. Because Thomas saw him physically. We haven't seen him physically. We know he's there. We can sense him. We can feel his presence. We can see the byproducts of his presence in our life. We know that he's here. We hear his voice. But we haven't seen him. But he said, blessed are you. Happy to be envied are you. Because you believe anyway. But Peter still feels unworthy to serve him. So he goes back to what he knows before he met Jesus, and that was fishing. You know the story. They fished all night. They caught nothing. Jesus shows up on the coastline just a couple hundred yards away. They don't know it's Jesus. He calls out to them and said, Have you caught any fish? They said, No. He said, Cast your net on the other side. And again they did. Sound familiar? Bible said 153 fish, so much that the nets were about to break, but they didn't. I've heard some preachers say that is the 
number of nationalities in the world, 153, symbolizing that Jesus would reach out to the entire world to bring them salvation. That is one thought, but regardless, it was a lot of fish. And the net did not break. And the moment that that net filled up, John, the beloved of Jesus, said, It is the Lord. And the Bible says, And Peter put up his clothes quickly and jumped into the water, just like Peter. And he swam to shore, which wasn't far off. But he got there, and it's amazing. Jesus was already cooking breakfast. He already had the coals. He already had the bread. He said, Bring some of the fish. And he cooked them and he ate with them and fellowship with them. But then Jesus begins to question Peter. Three times he said, do you love me? Now, the first time he said, do you love me more than these? Referring to all the other disciples. Because no, now they've been spending three years together already. They become a tight group. They become a family. And Jesus said, do you love me more than these? He said, Lord, I love you. And he says, feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. Then he asked him again, Peter, do you love me? He said, Lord, I love you. He said, then feed my little sheep. That sheep means little sheep. That means from a lamb to a maturing sheep. And then the third one was, when he asked him the third time, it grieved his heart. But notice now, why ask him three times? Because he denied him three times. Jesus is showing him, I'm not going to restore you with one, two, or but three. I'm going to completely wipe out your denial of me. Jesus reinstated Peter when he called him Simon. Notice prior to the crucifixion, he said, Thou art Simon. You are the rock. But notice when he tells the angel, the angel said, Tell the disciples and Peter. Why? Because he has slipped. But now Jesus said, Do you love me? He confirms it and calls him Simon again, which means he's been reinstated, which means he really never fell out of God's grace anyway. God loved him. Jesus already knew. He was going to mess up. Again, you need to see that he commissioned him to feed and teach God's word to the lambs, the young and the weak, and also the sheep being the older and the mature. After Jesus ascended and after the Holy Spirit came, wow, Peter never again denied the Lord, never. I'm sure he may have messed up on some things, but he never denied the Lord again. Matter of fact, the Bible goes on to teach that he preached three of the most powerful sermons in the New Testament, bringing thousands to the Lord. Isn't it amazing? Three denials, three reinstatements, and three powerful sermons. We find in the history that Peter was later martyred for Christ. And when they went to crucify him, he said, I'm unworthy to be crucified like my Lord. Therefore, he requested to be hung upside down. And he was hung that way and there he died. But he never again denied the Lord. You see, Peter was re 
restored. And that's a portrait of us. We've been restored. When we mess up, the Bible says if we confess our sins, we're daily being restored back to God daily. Anytime we slip, Jesus is there to catch us. He never gives up on us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. The Bible says that even before we pray, God is ready to answer. Never again, never, ever again did he deny Christ because he was fully restored. And I pray tonight, my friends, no matter what it is, don't let the enemy tell you you're unworthy. He did not go to that cross because you were unworthy. He saw you valuable. He saw you worthy. You may have been a sinner without a Savior, but if you call upon His name, He will save you. No matter what. And maybe you've been walking with the Lord, but you've strayed. You've made a mess out of things. Well, just like Peter, he's just asking tonight, do you love me? Then get it right. Come on and let's pick it up and press on from here. Don't worry about the path. It's under the blood. Let's move on from here. Don't let the devil keep you down. You may be confused. You may be in doubt. You may be in fear. But tonight we can call out on the name of Jesus Christ and he will hear you. And the Holy Spirit is ready to help you live a dynamic, powerful life just like Peter after the ascension and when the empowerment of the Spirit came, you couldn't quieten him down. And he walked unafraid of anything and anybody. He would stand up for Jesus no matter what and you can have the power to do the same. That's the power of God. No matter our mess ups, Jesus wants to restore us tonight. Thank God whenever I'm out, all I got to do is call upon that name. You know, I've got a little booklet called There's a Message in the Mess. If you've never read it, you need to read it. Because sometimes we mess up. But every time we mess up, there's a message in it. If we'll let the Spirit show us, we can learn from the things we mess up. Therefore, we don't repeat them again. You can go on the website and find that book. But the fact of it is Jesus. Knows you're going to mess up sometimes. And he's going to help you find the message in it and press on. Jesus is calling you tonight. He's calling me tonight to continue to get up, to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. One of the main themes that I had this Easter season that God birthed in my heart is that we've got to go beyond the cross. We come to the cross for salvation. We embrace the cross of Jesus. We die to self. We're crucified with him. We're resurrected with him. We take up our cross and we follow him. And he will lead us into victory. He will lead us into the power of the spirit. He will lead us into the word, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. The word of God to transform the world around us. It's not about the physical anymore. It's about the spiritual. It's about the eternal, not the temporary. And I pray tonight, no matter what you're going through, that you'll remember, maybe I'm talking to somebody tonight, you really messed up. But I want you to know tonight, he'll restore you. 
Jesus will reach out tonight and love you, care for you. All he wants to know, do you love me more than these? What's he talking about? Do you love me more than anything else? These things, the worldly things, the people, even your family, do you love me more than these? Because if you do, I can use you. I can do great things with you. But anything you put before God becomes your God. Doesn't matter what it is, doesn't matter who it is. Anything we put before God becomes our God. And Jesus is asking you tonight, do you love me more than these? Anything and everything, do you love him more? Because if you do, wow, he can really do something awesome in your life. And if you're uncertain, the Holy Spirit will show you tonight. If you're not sure and you know you're not where you need to be, ask him to help you. The Holy Spirit is eager to help you get it right tonight. He wants you to know the power of God in your life. He wants you to know the love of Jesus tonight. He wants you to know you can be like Christ. He loves you tonight. I can't stress that enough. And I'm just believing that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you tonight and tell you if there's anything you need to do other than rejoice. Some of you tonight, this is just a reminder of the time that you did mess up and God was faithful to restore you. I know I'm one of those. Can I get a witness from somebody? Hey, I've been one of those and I'm probably going to be another one. Because if I go long enough, I'm going to probably mess up again. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something. I'll not be guilty of doing nothing for my Lord. But hopefully I'll listen to the Spirit and get it right the first time. But if not, he's faithful. He already knows and he'll help me go through it. Friends, tonight we love you. If you got any prayer needs, please send them to us. We're going to pray now for these that have already sent in their prayer needs tonight. And again, thank you so much. You know, I was going over the list from Sunday. And don't forget Sunday morning at 9 a.m. We'll be back with you, bringing you another message. Tonight, a good friend of ours, Miss Sandy New, has an unspoken. Also, Patty, tonight, uh, health is going to be restored again. God restores all things. He's a restoring God, not just our relationship, but our health, our finances. If we put him first in everything, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his right way of doing things and all the things you need will be added unto you. Father, tonight, we lift up Patty tonight. We lift up Sandy tonight. We lift up our nation tonight. Father, we declare that this virus is passing over, that it is dying down. We speak death to the virus. Father, we believe that you are delivering God and that you have, Father, you, this is nothing that surprised you about this. You have made yourself available through this. Father, as Jensen Franklin said the other day, every generation goes through something that gives us an opportunity to draw close to you. And if we miss it, what a tragedy that would be. Lord, you're, you're reaching out to your people. You're reaching out to the world saying, come to me. I'm the answer. My son died for you. Come to me. And I pray, Lord, that people will turn to you. I pray for this nation, our president, our vice president, all of those, Lord, that are first responders, those that are in the hospitals and in the doctors, all those that have put it all on the line to help others. Bless them, Lord. For those, Lord, that have the virus, deliver them, Father. Father, let your hand be upon us 
And let the church rise up in faith right now and declare that you are God and that you are faithful and that no matter what, you're going to take care of us. So Lord, we thank you tonight for this beautiful opportunity to share your word. Peter's restoration, Lord, that is our story. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for your heart of compassion. Father, we do love you tonight. And we do love you more than these. Anything and everything, we love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. In the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen and Amen. Again, we love you. Check us out on the website, glennmillsministries.com. And don't forget, Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, we'll be back here with you again.